Pentalip, Ladies and Power podcast with me, your host, Lady Charlotte. This week, we are joined for a very special Valentine's Day edition with the ultimate matchmaker, reality star and relationship expert and CEO to Love Company, the very beautiful Lara Asprey. Welcome to the show, Lara. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Very nice to be here. And congratulations. Oh, really, really well. But congratulations. I've heard that you've had a new arrival. I know. Three weeks ago, I had my second, a little boy. And um, <clears throat> excuse the face because I'm still slightly sleep deprived. Well, you're looking fabulous. Three weeks. Amazing. Thank and you. I, I don't feel it. I, I have to admit, I think I have the benefit of a little bit of experience because I've got a three-year-old daughter who was a nightmare. The whole, she just wouldn't sleep ever. Um, but it doesn't help because you're still slightly sleep deprived, you know, waking every two or three hours all the time. But we do what we can and we keep, we're keeping calm, carrying on really. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you uh, completely. So we've had a, a, a new arrival as well. Little, little Aspen, a little girl, eight, eight weeks ago now. Oh, that's amazing. We have um, a one-year-old and also a daughter and a two-year-old. So, oh my God, you didn't leave much space, did you, in between? That's amazing. Well, you look incredible considering. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Are you coping? Are you all right? Yeah, I, you know, the sleep is... Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a killer, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's also the fact that we're in lockdown, so we can't do that much anyway. You know, like yeah. you know, my my three year old here and the baby and my husband and me, we're all sort of in in the house, and it doesn't help getting cooped up, does it? Difficult. It's yeah, it's very very difficult. Um, so it's Valentine's week coming up, um, and I was wondering if you've got any top tips for anyone looking for dating or at home in lockdown with a bit of romance? No, it's so hard at the moment because I've got friends who are single who are messaging me like, what do I do? Because I'm on the apps and no one seems to want to make any plans to actually meet anybody because they don't know when they can. So it almost seems like it's, what's the point of even bothering, you know, making a date, so to speak, when you don't know whether you can actually meet with anyone. So um, I do feel for people at the moment without, I think the previous lockdowns, we sort of had a sense as to when they would end. And we don't at the moment know when we'll be able to go on dates again. So as much as people are going on virtual dates and having FaceTimes, they have to know how to do them well at the moment. And that's the problem that we're seeing is that people are going, we could just FaceTime and have a glass of wine, you know, FaceTime or whatever, Skype but they're not always really sure what to do because you you can't communicate the same way across the digital ether that you can when you're with someone, next to someone, having a conversation over a glass of wine. So my top tips would really be to, when you're, when you're talking via a, a, you know, a telephone conference or a call like this, you've got to make the effort in the same way you would on a date. And you might think, oh, I don't have to dress up or make an effort, but you kind of do. Make it a date. Get your hair and makeup done. Feel good about yourself, even if it is only halfway up, but just feel good about yourself. Um, Make sure your lighting and your camera is in one place so you're not constantly moving your phone around, trying to... Don't have anyone else on the phone call because often, you know, we've had people going, oh, I introduced them to my mum who's in my bubble. And you're like, no, (laughs) don't do that. Don't ever introduce anyone to anyone it's a date. You wouldn't go if you're in the pub with your mum. You're in the pub with a date. Mum, come on in. I want you to meet my first date. You wouldn't do that. So don't 
you know, don't do that on the on the video conference either. Um, and I think try to cross over those boundaries quicker because I think what, what we tend to do a lot of the time is think because there's a, a digital medium in between us, we've got distance between us, which creates distance. So you want to break the ice a little bit sooner than you would normally by getting to know that person, asking them lots of more personal questions, more pointed questions and not feeling afraid to do so really. And what do you feel about when people eventually can interact and see each other again about kissing, for instance, on the first date with all of... Well, I mean, <laughs> kissing's fine, Charlotte, to be honest. I've had a lot worse. Okay. Um, uh, I don't think there's any rule about when and what is right on the first date, although I would always say hold out for the bigger parts of the romantic gestures, if you know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> you want to... You want to have a little bit of suspense and intrigue. And at the moment, I wonder what's going to happen when we all come out of this COVID environment where we're just feeling afraid of catching people's lurgy a little bit. Yes. Before. I wonder how that will impact how close we want to get to people so quickly, whether we will have any intrinsic fear that's like, oh, I'm not going to go there yet. Um, I think we probably will, and I think we'll probably see it more with the more sensible oldies, <laughs> to be honest, than we would do with the young, you know, flyabouts. Oh, we just don't don't think it will affect them as much, and it probably won't. But they just don't seem to think the same way anyway. But I wonder whether we will have a different dating environment completely after COVID, and that we will get to know people a bit more. I'm hopeful we won't get too close so quick. Um, we'll build up relationships prior to any action. You know, I'd love to think this will be, I, I'm, I'm an internal optimist, Charlotte. Maybe maybe I'm a, bit, a little bit um, naive, but I'd like to think that that's what positive will come out of all this, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a def- definitely uh, interesting to see how, how that works. Yeah, and I think it's also the dating environment in, in other ways will be changing. I know a lot of people are going on apps. But it's also interesting to think that what are those apps going to be offering now? Because previously it was more, the whole point of the app was to get to the date, really, wasn't it? You chat a bit, but the ultimate objective is to meet someone. And now I wonder whether they're going to have slightly different objectives, whether the apps will be more for video calls and um, sounding out, like a sounding board environment rather than a meet-up, call-to-action type thing. see. Yeah, because I also think it is very different from having conversations in this kind of way to face to face. So in lockdown, you hear I've read a lot of different people that have found love in lockdown. And, you know, these kind of relationships would be interesting to see, even if it was a year or six months, eight months of building this kind of relationship online with someone. When you get to meet them, will the feelings be the same? It will be interesting. You're absolutely right. I wonder whether or not all of this hype, in a way, will be detrimental because you sort of build up the whole meetup, you know, by by dragging it out. But then equally, I think, well, that's a good thing because, you know, you've gotten to know that person much more than you would ordinarily. And there's a certain mystery that comes to that person now. You've created this illusion behind the meet. You know, you've created in your mind this sort of sense of who they are it's just whether or not that sense is going to be misplaced and you're going to have an idealised version of them in your mind or whether actually can, they, can, they can live up to it when you meet them. That's what's the, the big question mark, I think. 
You recently starred in the reality uh, series The Ultimate Matchmaker on W. How did you come about that? Well, actually, it was sort of a bit of an organic thing. I started my matchmaking agency um, and it became quite... Um, it just took off, really, because I think I, I tapped into a niche that was slightly untapped into. And then production companies became interested in this concept of matching to the sort of higher echelon of society who are normally, I suppose it would be fair to say, quite camera shy and um, private and not necessarily very good at romance, to be honest with you. <laughs> so we, um, th there was a concept that, that, that was just an obvious one to do with regards to the show, and that was targeting this higher echelon and how they date, who they date, and setting them up on wonderfully romantic, luxurious dates. And um, it came about over a few months of, you know, the, the format going back and forth, and then eventually it got commissioned. And it was such fun to film. It really was. It was lots of lovely people going on very exuberant dates that, that uh, <laughs> they might not have normally done, you know. Like what? What kind of... What kind of well, you know, normally what I would say to my clients is, to be honest, just go for a drink, you know, because yeah. you, if you don't get on, you don't want to have to sort of hang around too long. You want to be able to just... You don't even have to do dinner because if you don't like them, you can just have a quick coffee or a glass of wine and be like, got to go pick up the kids, you know? So... <laughs> see you but with the show obviously that's not very camera um that doesn't really help with the cameras does it because it's not very great it's not very eye-catching so we had things like dates on private islands we flew a couple to champagne in france for um Ooh. for learning how to you know have some champagne it was wonderful so we these are not the normal first dates that i would ordinarily advise but they make great tv <laughs> sound wonderful yeah <laughs> And you also uh, filmed a fabulous campaign with Odin Seminars um, for romantic etiquette. Um, and I actually, I actually think back to my first dates <laughs> with cinemas. I think it was in a cinema. I think it may have even been in an Odeon, actually. Yeah, this is the start of many a budding romance show. This is it, you know. Back in the day, the guy would surreptitiously put his arm over you. Oh, it's just going to do the, the yawn in the arm, isn't it? It's... And you go, <laughs> and you kind of hide in his elbow. And... Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, well, and also when you were kind of uh, filming this campaign, unfortunately, we went into lockdown. I know. And cinemas have since suffered. I can't imagine how much. It's um, like many things, but... Um, I think it's been one of the hardest hit industries, actually, cinema, because everybody, or anything where you're observing with a crowd, it's been a very difficult year for those people, um, for those industries, for sure. But yeah, it was a lovely campaign, because actually what it was all about was um, re remembering that romance that cinemas used to bring. You know how, as you just alluded to, it used to be something that people would do on a first date or second date or some sort of early stage date because you wanted to spend time with someone and share an experience together. And, and I think that they wanted to bring that back, that sense of you don't have to just stay home watching Netflix. You can come out and have a nice experience. And cinemas have up their game. They've got wonderful sensory experiences, um, you know, beautiful big screens, incredible quality. It's worth it. I think that was the message. It's worth it for someone who's worth it. That's the thing. And with this kind of whole pandemic, and I can't believe we're in the third lockdown, I keep thinking, 
you know, we're in 2021 now and I keep thinking, oh, he's going to be finished, you know, already. Yeah. And yeah, the woods by now, didn't we? But it doesn't seem to be the way. It doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. And, I, you know, now is we've got the vaccine, um, which is starting to be rolled out, which has just began in the last kind of few weeks in, here in the UK. Um, I was just wondering kind of your feelings on the vaccine and if you, you were planning on, on having it. Yeah, I'm definitely not part of the anti-vax brigade, I'm afraid. I, um, I personally really believe in modern medicine and science. And I think that they, you know, a lot of people are arguing that this was rushed. I don't believe it was rushed, actually. I think it, it um, they had a lot of knowledge about SARS and MERS, which are all part of the same family. And they are able to find the sequence of this, 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 this virus. And they were able to to find the vaccine quickly. What took the time was actually getting the vaccine through the testing. Um, so I don't feel that there's anything to worry about. I truly think everyone should have it because it will, the, the sooner we all have it, the sooner we will all be able to get on with our lives. And I worry that any sort of delays to that are not gonna help. They'll just be a hindrance to economies all over the world and people getting their lives back. You know, we, we've had a year of this now and, yeah. um, it's a long time to not have that stability of income, to not have that stability of understanding, to not have that stability of family, to, you know, we, we don't have our tribes around us in the same way, we're not able to support each other in the same way. All of these things matter. Um, so I'm all for getting everyone vaccinated and getting, getting on with it really, because I think that the sooner we do, the better for everybody. And we can go out again. I'm yeah, and I think we should underestimate how much we value things like that. I think one thing it's taught us all is how much we took a lot for granted. The ability yes. to travel freely, the ability to see people whenever we wanted, the ability to go to a crowded environment without thinking about it. You know, there's lots of things that we could do before that we're not able to do. And I think once we're able to get back to normality, there's going to be a huge burst in the travel industry. There's going to be a huge explosion in people living life to the full and not saving their pennies. You know, I think that people will be keen to splurge them, treat themselves on that expensive holiday they wouldn't have done before and things like that, treat their family to things they've missed out on. Um, so I think, you know, we, we, we have a lot to, to look forward to, but we all have to sort of be complicit. Um, and I don't know, I, I personally just think it's a shame there's, there's an anti-vax brigade at all, but there's always going to be people fearful of such things. And that's, 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 that's their decision, I suppose. And I think you're absolutely right about the little things I, me personally, took for granted. So my, my husband and I, we have liked to keep things, you know, with young children, still having that time for each other. So we have like... managed like, it though, because obviously in lockdown, it's quite easy to, take, to look at each other like a piece of furniture after a few, few months of, you know, <laughs> living in the same house, four walls all the time. Yeah, and it's trying to get creative as well, like with dinners and like Valentine's Day. We go to we go to the Ritz every year on Valentine's Day. Uh, oh yeah, we've been doing it. We've been doing it every year, even before we were married. Um, so we've been together four years, and we're almost um, it'll be our second uh, anniversary coming up in a few months. Well, congratulations! That's amazing. That's lovely. So, what are you going to do instead of the Ritz this year? What on earth will replace? Such no, I know, I know. Well, my husband was like, Danny goes, well, I'm going to create the Ritz at home, so it's going to be a surprise, and so we're going to try and, you know. Oh, right. that's very sweet. So candles and you know all the nice food and, and, and trimmings that you would normally have. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think just I'm very romantic, and I think my husband is too. I just like I don't know. I'm. You know, you've got like different love languages 
Um, so I'm very much kind of like words, like nice little poems or just little things. Like affirmation are your thing. You like to feel yes. valued through what the communication is. Yeah. And what is your husband's love language? His is quality time. Yes, so is my my husband's the same actually. He loves to spend time together, so walks together and um, making time for each other and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's good that you know that though that you're in. You know, a lot of people aren't in touch with their love language. They don't necessarily know that. So it's good that you know already. You're ahead of the game. I'm always looking into different tips and personality types and all of these kind of things. And why I've got the ultimate matchmaker here, so I can ask any questions. Do you believe that there is such thing as like a perfect match? I don't believe there's the one. You know how there's always this like, oh, if only I could find the one. I yeah. kind of think that's a load of rubbish because there's so many ones that we could have suitable to us. There's not just one one, there's hundreds of ones. Actually, this whole misconception of waiting for the one person is only going to be detrimental to people looking because they're going to be pinning all their hopes and dreams on that one person who might not be the one and then it's terribly disappointing when it doesn't work out. And I also think that you've got to you've got to have um dispel certain myths around romance, such as the one, you know, the Prince Charming syndrome that the, the, the Disney cartoons have conditioned us into believing that we will have one person and they will save us and we will they will find us somehow we'll be in distress you know and they will come into our lives and rescue us from our own existence <laughs> it doesn't really help us it, it hinders us because it makes us think that we are not empowered as women to find our own love and to find our own romance we have to wait for it to happen to us and we have to wait for that one person when there's lots of people who will give that to us. And actually, I don't think that empowers women. I think that that makes us believe that we are not able to uh, drive, drive in the driving seat. We, we should feel able to these days. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think men should be romantic still. And there's a certain, there's a certain balance into, you know, women. And I don't want to become a total feminist here and have a stance <laughs> of men can't hold the doors open for you and men can't pay for your dinner. Because I don't believe that. I think that men should do all those things because it's a masculine feminine vibe but I do think that women should feel empowered to sit in the driving seat to find their their love and they shouldn't feel bad about that you know we shouldn't feel that we can't um make the first move or ask someone out or you know we have to sit back and wait I don't think that really helps yeah no I absolutely I absolutely agree I think you know once you're feeling as as a woman, you you know, feeling good about yourself and who you are and, and happy in your world, that can only be good when you kind of meet all of these kind of potential people that we can be. Well, that's it. Nail on the head. Exactly. Because that's a huge part of it. That It's amazing how attractive you are once you're not bothered about these things, such as sort of being accepted or being liked or just being happy. Once you're happy with your own life, it is a very attractive, mystical quality that men find very alluring um it's when you feel that you need to impress someone or you need them to like you or why don't they fancy me that sort of language that you that you talk to yourself in uh is is really not helpful to women because it makes them feel like they have to be chosen when actually they have to be the chooser they have to be the one to go are you good enough for my life not please take me <laughs> i'm free and i'm single and i'm really desperate to find someone that's not the kind of vibe you want to be putting out yeah and what kind of, um, I suppose, I suppose it's different for everybody, but kind of like characteristics in, in seeing the, the right match, you know? 
when you meet somebody, because sometimes there's lust, and you think, oh, this is brilliant, and you get carried away straight away, what are kind of things that you think this could actually go further and we could build something? What's kind of good things to look out for? Well, it depends completely on what your character's, what your value system is, what your characteristics are, because obviously everybody has a slightly different value system in terms of what is important to them. And actually, it's a good question because a lot of people don't take the time to actually think about what their own value system is. Like what, what is important to me in a list of priorities? What do I value the most from someone? Is it security? Is it uh, ambition? Is it... Um, making me feel safe. You know, there's loads of these things. And actually what people tend to do is they put a list out, whether it's written or otherwise, but they, they create a list in their minds of what the ideal person is to them, who they are. They have to be tall, they have to be handsome, they have to have a good job, not what matters to me as a value. Because actually matchmaking is not so much about, you know, will I find someone tall, dark and handsome? It's what what is going to be matching to my value system and my system, my system of beliefs um, in order for me to feel that I've got a companion and a life partner, not just someone who fulfills the physical um, and the desirable societal traits that I think I want. Because actually a lot of the time people are, people want something that they think they should have rather than, you know, that what society dictates they should have somebody with a good job who's tall, dark and handsome. And actually a lot of the time, what they need to be matched to is someone who is um, a lot of different things, safe, um, someone funny, someone who's got the same educational background as them, the same family values as them. You know, there's lots of other things. So the matching is quite a complex, sort of when you break it down, it's quite a complex process. Um, but it's about the person being matched, being open to that as well, because if they're not, it can be quite difficult. I can, I can, I'm just laughing to myself thinking if you've got any any stories of some kind of mismatches. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure you've got so many. You know, I can say all this. You know, imagining you were a client, for example. If I were to say to you, actually, it's not about finding someone tall, dark and handsome. It's about finding someone who you can be matched with. You might think, rubbish. I want someone <laughs> tall, dark and handsome, right? You might be like, I don't want someone who's got all that stuff. I just want someone who's going to be really quite attractive you know and they, they forget about all the other stuff because they just go for the the basic attraction elements and whilst that's important like don't get me wrong I've never tried I'd never match anybody to anyone who was really unattractive um attraction is always subjective so you know it's sometimes worth just hearing out what they're what they're all about before you make that judgment because I've had matches that people didn't think they'd ever get on with and when they met them they're so charmed by them and their personality and their their outlook and everything, there's a lot of ego that they're just, wow, amazed. So it just depends. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, um, like my husband and I, we've got quite a large age gap. There's 27 years between us. But I've, it's really weird. We were kind of born, I was born in a hospital right next to where he went to school. And in, I've always lived in the same kind of areas um, then he, I was kind of like 20 years behind. It's kind of like we have a lot of the same kind of similarities. And even though we have like quite a large age gap, we have seemed to have quite a lot in common. That's the thing. And commonality is very bonding. The age doesn't really matter. I don't really think it matters. I think as long as you guys have your own 
commonalities and your shared values and your shared systems that's that's what's going to bond you because you've got lots in common already so um yeah i mean that's great if that works for you that's brilliant and also i think in lockdown with relationships so i've just now i've been hearing from different people it either kind of makes or breaks relationships um and it's really shown well it's a really intense time isn't it if you think about it I mean, there are two sides to this, because I was thinking about this earlier. It's the sides of the people who have just started dating and are just kind of getting serious, and they're on the verge of, do we move in together or not? It's a lot of pressure for them. But it's also those couples who are on a breaking point, you know, about to get divorced, and then having to live together again. So there's two sides to this, where you're just like, this is a nightmare for those two extremes. So there's, I mean, I've had a friend of mine, a very close friend, who uh, moved in with her boyfriend back in... February last year and then two months later it was over you know because the intensity of the moving in together and spending all the time together you're suddenly like whoa this guy heavy <laughs> you know now um what do we do now like there's no romance there's no build-up there's no dates you can't go out the same way you're just there um and I think if you're meant to be together it'll it'll be fine and actually if you can get through lockdown in this intense way and you thrive yeah, you know you're you know you're good together, but it's definitely testing. And also, those couples who have split up but got kids, um, and they're forced to live together again, you know, <laughs> because of the kids, because they don't want to be in two different bubbles and households, and they're just at each other's throats. It must be dreadful, you know, really difficult. It is. I think yeah, if you can uh, stand the test of time in lockdown, afterwards, I feel like you can get for anything if you're able to thrive for it. Yeah. Yeah, especially with, um, you know, children at home a lot. It's homeschooling and all of that stuff and working and trying to juggle. It's an incredibly testing time. But then equally, you know, I was was watching a documentary last night whilst whilst feeding my child, which I seem to be doing all the time at the moment, which is about (laughs) the, the, um, the plague and how previous pandemics have been so much more disastrous you know and i think we we obviously have never had anything like this in our lifetimes but we also can't complain that much we all we have to do really is stay home we can order all our food we can get things sent to us yes um, it's it's not it's not the greatest of hardships really if you if you think about what other generations have had to endure yeah, so I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, in these, this, how hard the times are at the moment, there's been some really lovely moments as well, like with the children and working, even though we're working from home and spending a lot more, especially with my husband, he's spending a lot more time with the children than he would have, yeah. would have before. So that's been really, really nice. 100%, same here. My husband was the eternal traveller, you know, travelling for work and constantly away and missing bedtimes and missing the morning routine and and I agree I think it's been um he's loved having this special time with his daughter and now his newborn son it's like a a real treat I think there's a certain balance though between staying home and then sort of going to the office a little bit and I think he's keen to find that balance whereby he can still exercise he can see his kids and he can juggle work but I think what it's certainly taught a lot of these big companies is and I, I know I know a lot of companies were quite progressive in this way, but certain industries weren't. They still insisted upon people being in the office. And I think after lockdown, it will certainly be a case of flexible working will become such a value to employers and to employees that they'll be offering it more readily. You know, and there'll be a certain 
flexi work schedules, we'll be more open, we won't be expected to sit all in chain at our desks, um, and it will just be a different environment, which is which can only be a good thing, yeah. I agree. So, Laura, every week when I do the podcast, I have all of my guests bring along their makeup bags. Um, so yeah, I thank God see... for mine at the moment, tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I can have a look at what their glam routine is. So have you got your makeup bag ready? I've got a few things here. So oh, as a new mum, you know, as you, would, as you well know, Charlotte, makeup bags are like God, you know, <laughs> because if you don't have a little bit of something on your face, I don't know about you, I just feel like I look in the mirror first thing after being up all night and I'm just going, <gasps> <Yes. gasps> So I, I always start, in the first thing I do in the morning is, um, bit of micellar water and I put on my, all my moisturizing creams and all that jazz. And then I find one thing that I really like is um, Mac Studio Fix, which yes. is just my go-to. And it's not even just for the morning. I put on a bit of um, foundation first, but this just blots out every bit of imperfection I've got. And I find if I put it on during the day, it is like a, a, a refreshment. It just refreshes, it blots up all the the bits that I've got that are sort of dewy and I don't want, and it gives me a new complexion. So I keep that in my bag always. Whenever I'm out, quick blot around the nose, the chin, and the T-zone. Um, before that, I love the Estee Lauder Illuminator. Put that on underneath. Just gives you a little bit of a glow. Really good. Uh, I'm a big fan of Estee Lauder and MAC products, I have to be honest. That seems to be what fills up most of my um, makeup bag. But when it comes to mascara, uh, Sumptuous Extreme by Estee Lauder is my go-to at the moment. Oh, I've gives, never used that one. Yeah, really, really good. Fibrous lashes that don't fall down. And you know when you're a new mum and you're kind of just like, <laughs> you don't want that sort of ring under your eyes at four o'clock yes. in the afternoon from the black. And another one that's really good is the, is the MAC, um, what's it called? Extended Play. That one is darker. It's very sort of I like to use that in the evening. This is more of my daytime mascara, but they're really, really good. And eyeshadows. Love this little palette from Estee Lauder. I'm really into neutral, sorry, neutral yeah. Oh, they're lovely shades. Some are matte and some are shimmery. So it's just a natural mum makeup kind of palette, which I just love. And it comes with a little mirror, which every and That's Estee Lauder? Needs. Estee Lauder, yep. And also, one of my go-tos is the Yves Saint Laurent um, Touche Eclat. Touche Eclat, obviously. I love. <laughs> as a new mum as well, <laughs> we get a little bit of, uh, you know, and just generally, even when I'm not a mum, I mean, I'm always a mum, but even when I'm not a new mum, I wear it, you know, I, I put it underneath my eyes and um, just down the sides of my cheeks and nose, and it gives me a little boost as well. That's another good one. Now, when it comes to lipsticks... I yeah. must admit, I'm a massive blender. I blend, I have all these lipsticks, but then I find I get, oh, I want a bit more brown, or I want a bit more. So I've got a nice neutral brown. Um, this one is Estee Lauder as well. But I have to admit, I mix this one with a Kiko. <laughs> oh, okay. Bright pink, blend them up, because look how hot Oh, I love that. I know, but mixing it with a brown just gives it a nice, um, kind of subdued top it off with a really metallic lip gloss 
um, which is another Estee Lauder one, actually. Do you like my Estee Lauder makeup? Don't, I'm not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> just a disclaimer. But get in touch, Estee Lauder, if you want me to be, because, you know, I'm the same. Uh, <laughs> lip liners, and, and then I've basically got some um, cold brown lip liner, uh, eyeliner, which is... Um, Do you prefer more browns uh, eyeliners than blacks? I used to wear black all the time, funnily enough. I used to, wear black, I used to believe black coal was my go-to thing. And um, as I've got a bit older, I find it looks a bit more natural just to have a browner. Yes. Slightly, slightly more subtle. Um, and also my hair seems to have lightened. It's sort of, it, it doesn't look quite as different. You know, it sort of blends quite, quite nicely together. Um, and yeah, and I've got all sorts of things. NYK I've got some gloss. So, but my go-tos are really, I mean, this Max Studio Fix, the Touche Eclat, love a bit of bronzer um, and a bit of blush. And yeah, that's it. Oh, it's lovely. I do love that Touche Eclat because it's amazing. I have that, that's my go-to. Is I it? Always, yeah. yeah. I, and exactly for the same reasons, just under the eyes. and. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly just boosts everything. It helps, doesn't it? And um, I'm not a big believer of sort of contouring, rightly or wrongly. I've tried it. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've been on the bandwagon where I've put my face all through these different, like, you know, makeup, <laughs> like I've gone into battle somehow. And then I get the beauty blender and I try and I just look at myself and go, no, it just doesn't look right on me. And I see other people and I'm like, oh, that looks really good on you. But for me, just not my, no, just no not quite right i can um, never get the hang of the beauty blenders i know and that's another thing i see all these influencers just go can i just get your blender and i don't even use my fingers anymore and i'm like really isn't it easier just to yeah i just use my fingers to be honest and then wash my hands and that job done because i like to be a bit more tactile with my skin i like to make sure it's all in yeah each to their own eh? you know it's been so lovely having you join me today. Oh, it's been lovely and chatting to you, Charlotte. Really appreciated a bit of a girl chat, actually. Yes. After, you know, we've been so cooped up with families and lockdown babies and all sorts of things. So it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And we would love to have you back. Yeah, love to. More tips for everybody. You know, hopefully we won't be in lockdown for too much longer. But if we yeah. are, um, getting uh, some romantic tips. Well, have a lovely Valentine's, and I hope that the Ritz at home is all that you hope it would be. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm sure your husband sounds like a dream. Yes. Candles and all sorts of jazz for you. So enjoy. It'll be lovely. Okay, and uh, congratulations again on your newborn boy. Likewise, likewise. Take care, Charlotte. Speak Bye. soon. Bye.